Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Conversations with your host, Rain Frank. How are you today, Frank? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. I'm doing pretty good. Oh, you didn't ask. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, well. Well, it's been a while since we've recorded, so let's get right on to it. We got a few different uh, topics uh, to try to touch on today. And um, what we're going to start with today is one that I have picked out. And I think it's kind of a big issue. Um, There have been a couple headlines about um, parents who have found out that there are uh, books in their public high schools where their children go that are very very sexually explicit and support uh, you know, uh, gender sexual uh, sexuality transgenderism and stuff like that and it isn't that these books are just talking about those subjects it's some of these books are pretty graphic stuff and I do have a few examples excuse me that I'll try to share Um, and we usually try to keep this show fairly uh, family friendly so I'll do my best to you know not say the words but still make it clear what's supposed to be being said sure okay And uh, before I try to read some of this back, uh, if it hasn't been quite uh, mentioned in any of our previous episodes, um, I, listeners, am blind. So when I read quotes back, I don't actually read them. My computer reads them back to me, and then I got to try to speak back what I'm hearing. So bear with me as I try to do this. And here we go with one of the first examples. I can't wait to have your C word in my mouth. I am going to give you the BJ of your life. And then I want you inside me. That's one quote and here's another from the same book do you know the book um i think i copied it i might not have copied it into my notes but i have the link um i particularly pulled these quotes from a daily wire article and your the claim is that this is a book found in a school's public library Yep, in the Fairfax uh, High School okay, in uh, Virginia. Anyway, here is another example. What if I told you I touched another guy's uh, D-word? And obviously, stuff like this, if a, you know... You'd be outraged about, 
Why, even if it's in a high school, and this article is particularly about a mother reading this at a public school board meeting. Because she had saw another video of a school board meeting in Texas where they said they found some of these books. So she wanted to see if it was in her local public schools. And sure enough, she found them. And while she's trying to read this at the school board meeting, the, you know, the officials are trying to stop her from talking and tell her, you know, there are children in the room, which is kind of funny, given that this stuff is in the schools. Situational irony. Right. Well, and another thing they said to try to counter what the woman was saying, one of the school board members said, it's in a high school. Well, last time I checked, 14-year-olds are in high school. Should 14-year-olds be reading that stuff? Well, they're all minors still. Yeah. I mean... Exactly. That's an even better point. And sort of as I mentioned a little bit ago, and it isn't that they're just trying to teach about trans, like this, you know, gender studies or whatever it is. It's it's this how explicit this material is and uh, how uh, permissive it is. They just they let it go. Well, and I know. I mean, I I have an anecdotal f- uh, story that came comes right out of my own family, but um, I have a young male family member who's in, in ninth grade this year, so a freshman in high school. And uh, as part of his English course, it is an honors course, but they just recently had to read a book on rape. And I, too, don't have the title, but it was told from a female's perspective. And um, the young man didn't really know what to make of it, because apparently the, the point of the unit that they're working on is to read highly descriptive paragraphs and synthesize main points. So what main point do you get out of a work on rape, specifically on rape? And why would a ninth grade freshman in high school be asked to focus on such a story? Right. I mean, it's... And some of this material basically... If it isn't explicitly condoning pedophilia, it normalizes it. Because I got a little bit more from the same book. And this is what it says. A little passage from it. I was 10 years old, but it's true. I put Doug, uh, somebody's name, C-word in my mouth. Other character says, the real estate guy? Yeah. I was in fourth grade. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Wow. And, I don't know, I, sometimes I don't even know what to say, but it's so shocking how, that this is even allowed in a 
public school. I bet they don't I even mean, have, I have copies of the Bible, but they have smut like that. I wouldn't be surprised one bit. And I don't, I don't have any kids, but I have a, a nephew who's uh, about to be 12 years old. And I don't think this he should be seeing any of this kind of stuff. I mean, if parents, if parents want to do this to their own kids in their own homes, I think it's awful. But that's on them. It's not the public school's job to teach this kind of stuff to kids. Yeah, and that's I'm, dark stuff that you hope never happens to young people. It's not... Right. Stuff to be normalized to every young person across the board. <clears throat> and thank God parents are starting to speak out about it more. And like a lot of other people have probably said, I think a lot of it has had to do with the fact that since COVID started, these kids are at home. And these parents have had more Chances. access to being able to yeah. see what what they're learning. Well, let me ask you then, um, you know, we hadn't prepared this or anything. This just comes to mind. But have you seen these reports that um, Merrick Garland has asked the DOJ, you know, to treat some of these parents uh, at these school boards like the same as domestic terrorists? Yep, I I thought about bringing it up, but I wasn't sure sure if I should because we got other stuff to talk about. But yeah, I definitely heard that, and you know, they say you know they're calling these these parents or they're equating them to terrorists. I'll say that, and then they also same DOJ mentions that the one of the greatest threats to our nation is white supremacy and extremism but where is it mm -hmm. they're not showing any real examples they have i mean i have seen some people uh show an example of a parent or two using some pretty unkind language but i's not any nobody in the right mind would be calling that domestic terrorism or anything close to it right and at the same time, all last year, riots in the streets, burning down public and private property. Well, I just think, I mean, you know me, and in a way, <clears throat> I think it really shows that parents are being effective, you know? Uh, I don't uh, think they're, they're going to give up a fight, and we've seen what this administration does. It's a, it's a total circus. To, to say the mm -hmm. say it the nice way, um, <clears throat> so I mean, what's there to fear? What's this government going to do? They they can't pull out right. of Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever, <clears throat> right? And by what what I mean when I just said a second ago that they are scared, I'm talking about uh, the government. The government, I'm scared of the, the as people. well. They should be exactly exactly, and um. You know, to kind of bring it back to some of this, uh, like, gender and sexuality stuff. 
is that it isn't just in the schools where arguably it's probably the worst place for it to be because, you know, you, that's where the kids are learning. But it's also in the toys you're buying for your kids. Because Lego, everybody likes Legos. Sure. <laughs> they just announced, they just announced they're bringing a non-gendered bias to their toys. They haven't exactly uh, released any details about exactly what that means as far as their, what they're going to do to their products. But I just think it's crazy. Because I mean, one of the... I did find an article from uh, NBC.com and there's a couple uh, quotes that particularly stand out to me. And sort of what the whole point is uh, in the beginning of the articles, mostly geared towards the fact that they don't think enough girls are playing with Legos. Because it's stereotypes that only boys want to play with Legos. And um, some of the quotes I found that kind of stood out to me. I thought all kids played with Lego. I thought it was an age thing. And. I thought it was like the very young children really right. loved well, Legos. I think, yes. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I'll actually bring up a little anecdotal story myself before I get to some of these quotes. I believe it was last year sometime my nephew uh, came up uh, here to where I live because his, his dad lives here too in the same city. Mm-hmm. And um, I picked him up for the day, and uh, we went to the Lego Discovery Land, I believe is the name of it, over at the mall. Okay, yeah, I've and, been there. Yep, and uh, there were little girls there, mm-hmm. and in their videos that they have for their the whatever activities that they got, they had girl characters. Yeah. And when we watched this, like, uh, sort of 3D interactive movie, uh, like 15 minutes long, I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong, I might be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure the main character, heroine, was a girl. So to act like little girls aren't playing with Legos because... Society's making them not play with Legos is preposterous. Surely, and and I'll get to some of the quotes here because they make me ask ask some questions that I didn't see in the article. The article links to some studies that I didn't click on, but as far as I'm concerned, the article could have mentioned what I'm asking. But let's get to the quotes. Uh, and again, I'll do my best to read these uh, back or say them back. The benefits of creative play, such as building confidence, creativity, and communication skills, are felt by all children 
And yet, we still experience age-old stereotypes that label activities as only uh, being suitable for one specific gender. Says, and this is what I think is interesting to me, Julia Coleman, Chief Product and Marketing Officer of LEGO. The fact that she is the Chief Product and Marketing Officer at LEGO telling, telling me that little girls aren't playing with Legos because of some society stereotypes? Well, if that was true, wouldn't she not likely be working at Lego and more likely be a he as the chief product and marketing, whatever I just said? Well, I think that's possibly a fair point, but I think it's interesting too. I mean, I would just want to know, is she saying this because somebody made a Facebook post and said only boys play with Legos or is this bore out in the sales? I mean, does it show that little girls aren't buying Lego, aren't playing with Lego, well, aren't being gifted Lego as much as the boys are? Or The, the article did mention that Lego did a study of 7,000 children and families that suggested nearly as much. Um, well, if it's bore out in the data, it's not just a stereotype then. If the girls don't buy Lego because they don't want to play with Lego, that's not a stereotype. I've seen kids throw hissy yep. fits because they want something in the grocery store. If the little girls were throwing hissy fits for the Legos, they'd probably get the Legos. Right. Well, here's a, another quote, which is sort of the one that actually makes me ask some questions. Um, the idea that girls and boys play or should play with different toys is harmful. It reinforces harmful stereotypes, uh, said some... I'm not sure how to pronounce this guy's name. A behavioral scientist. And the question I ask, want to ask is, what's the harm? Yeah. What, what, I don't get what the harm is that's being done. Especially, how does a supposed stereotype of, you know, specific gendered toys harm someone when you want it, a, a child when you want to compare it to what we were just talking about with these books in the schools well i think the, just what comes to my mind anytime you focus on these stereotypes and these sort of crazy comments made by people like that is <laughs> excuse me reason. um yeah it usually is um i think of the great What's his name? That um, psychiatrist from Canada that I like so much. Michael Peterson or what? 
What's his name? Oh, um, um, oh shoot. It's something Peterson. Jordan. Yeah, that's it. Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Peterson. Um, yep. He's done a lot of great work on this. I mean, if you look at, there are certain types of industry that are dominated by women. There are certain mm-hmm. parts of industry that are dominated by men. There are, I mean, and if you look at the statistics, they he's done a lot of, on debunking the, what they call the pay gap or, you know, the gender mm-hmm. pay gap. And it's really silly when you think about it. I mean, the data, if you really dig into the data, like I was just saying about the Lego example, I mean, <clears throat> it usually bears out. I mean, why don't, I mean, this almost seems silly. I'm sure somebody would just tell me I'm silly, but what if Polly Pocket, the little doll, tried to, sell more to boys what would they have to do come out with an army line an army man doll i mean <laughs> right then they just mean conforming to the stereotype to attract the boys exactly i mean they know what sells and you can't force a product on on a buyer who doesn't want it <clears throat> So if somebody comes and engages with the product, it's out of a natural interest, you know? Right. Or natural inclination. I'll I'll put it that way. And I'm certainly not suggesting that Lego... I wouldn't either. That's why I wanted to change my wording. Because a girl could be just as inclined to play with Lego as a boy. Right. Yeah. If they want to and... If they if they do have the data that suggests girls want to play with more Legos, mm-hmm. well, go for if you want to make more, you know, girl looking Legos. If that's what the girls want, sure. But I don't think you should tell me it's because of some s- silly stereotype. Just say, hey, we see, uh, you know, girls want to play with Legos more, and sometimes they're discouraged because all their Legos look like ninjas or Star Wars characters or pirates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, good luck to Lego. You know what happens. You get woke, you go broke. That's right. I don't think that uh, adage has gone wrong yet. <laughs> well, Trump's, he says... If you're woke, you're a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I don't really have an easy uh, transition into the next topic, so we're just going to go right on to it. Um, This little story um, about why the Second Amendment is important. All right, here we go. Uh, recently, there is a ex-convict uh, who was released from uh, prison back in December 2020 um, after being jailed for uh, attempted child molestation. And he was uh, caught for... 
some other crime I don't think they mentioned. But a deputy picked him up for some felony warrants. I think that's what it was. And while the deputy was processing him, the sus- the guy attacked the deputy um, and subsequently ran off, stole the deputy's SUV, um, uh, drove for a while, crashed into a fence, stole another vehicle, and drove about 30 miles. And he showed up to a house, tried to break in, and luckily, this homeowner had a firearm, and he shot the suspect. And the cops were able to get him. Uh, the suspect, as far as I could tell from the article, didn't die. However, this is where the sad part comes in. The deputy uh, was found unconscious and taken to the hospital. And after some time, uh, they determined that he was not going to uh, regain consciousness. Um, so, I believe the article said his family's pretty much going to take him off life support and donate his organs. Wow. And, um, you know, this is, you know, an example, one example of, thank goodness, thank God we have the Second Amendment in our Constitution because, you know, the, uh, a lot of Democrats and liberals want to restrict people's access to owning a firearm. And they're always talking about how, you know, like 300,000 people a year die from gun violence. And, you know, we got to do something about it. Well, there are plenty of reports, even from the CDC, that suggest each year there are between 500,000 to 3 million defensive uses of firearms. So, that's potentially... 500,000 to 3 million lives saved. saved. Right. Yep. Because you never know what could have happened in those situations. Right. And and in regards to uh, the 300,000 deaths from gun violence each year, uh, I think it's been pretty well documented that I can't remember if it's one-third or two-thirds. I'm wanting to say two-thirds, but I'll, we'll go with one-third. At least one-third of those are suicides. Oh, yeah, I would believe that. So, and then who knows? I mean, obviously, if somebody's being killed, you know, by being shot, whoever's shooting them is committing a crime by killing them. And a lot of times, these... There, it could usually uh, an illegal firearm, particularly in places like Chicago. Mm-hmm. 
And you know, so that's just one example. And I think you mentioned to me uh, in our preparations that you sort of had a story that you wanted to mention. Yeah, I have an anecdotal uh, story Mm -hmm. about this. um, Sort of this um, stand your ground law. Uh, We both live here in Ohio. We have it. And um, I can't really give out the too many particulars on this, but um, I know of a story sure. where an older gentleman who um, carries, concealed carries, sure. <clears throat> uh, was followed home and got into a little bit of a road rage incident. Um, and the younger fella followed this older gentleman all the way back through traffic back to his house and when the old man was getting out of his car the young man had already gotten out and was already approaching the older gentleman and the old man he had the gun he pulled it and said if you take one more step I'll blow your head off and uh, the younger guy you know I don't know what he thought maybe dollar signs or something but he immediately despite any better judgment he may have had, he runs back to his truck and calls 911 on the older fella mm-hmm. and reports that this guy's been brandishing a firearm or, or um, you know, making a threat of life against the younger guy. And right. the funny thing is, I mean, you never know sometimes how these are going to turn out. Uh, I've watched a lot of these road rage videos online you can find them on youtube oh yeah um right but in this case the cop showed up and he talks to the younger guy first because he was the one who called and Mm -hmm. uh the cop even immediately after listening to the guy he says to him why'd you follow him here to his house so the old man got out of it. He um, got in no trouble at all whatsoever uh, because the younger mm-hmm. fellow was obviously seen as the aggressor. Right. Yeah. So I just think it's, thank you know, it's like you're saying. It's amazing we have these Second Amendment uh, rights. It's amazing we live in America mm-hmm. um, where we can defend ourselves. It's It's a right, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Exactly. And now, as we sort of already said, in situations like this, you never know how it's going to turn out. Because if there are people who are willing to just turn around and shoot a cop in the head as he's walking up because he pulled somebody over for a taillight or whatever mm-hmm. tra- kind of traffic infraction, who... They're they're willing to shoot anybody. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it has to be said enough. Thank goodness our founding fathers knew what they were doing when they wrote that. And this kind of goes into the other topic I have related to this in the Second Amendment. Is that, you know, there have been um, some reports about how over in Australia, they've had some pretty severe COVID lockdown measures 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen some you know, of them. Like really severe. Like pe- pretty much nobody can go anywhere unless it's to like the grocery store or to go care for another person. Yeah, um, I saw like a headline it, at one point. I mean, it's. I think it's been a couple months back, but I saw a headline that said uh, Australian people... Oh, no, it says Australian government enforcing COVID restrictions at point of bayonet. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm, I haven't double-checked on if this is accurate enough or not, but I've heard that if people did go somewhere, they had to, like, check in every so often or something like that. And... You know, so we end up, they started having huge protests about a couple weeks or months or so ago. And, um, you know, it makes me think about how Australia did their gun buyback, air quotes, because that's a whole other topic we can get into some other time. And, you know, obviously due to that, it's a less uh, armed population. And it just makes me think about whether or not if they, if the Australian government did not do the gun buyback and they still had a well-armed population, would they have been so willing to have such authoritarian restrictions? Because I can imagine... You know, I don't know how, again, I haven't been able to verify how severe the lockdowns were in some parts of Australia. But imagine a group of hunters here in America wanted to go out hunting. And the government said, no, 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 you can't go hunt for some food because of COVID. We're only going to let you go to the grocery store and we're barely going to let you do that. They wouldn't take it. Yeah, it's they absolutely go out hunting preposterous. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have, you know, any big studies on how, whether or not uh, something like that would have affected what Australia is doing. But it just makes you wonder. It's one of those thought experiments. That's. Well, I do find it really very interesting. At. I think you, I mean, I know you and I at least batted this this particular topic around amongst our, you know, between us uh, <clears throat> before coming on to air. But that last point you hadn't said to me yet, and I think it's a wonderful one about the hunting. I mean, um, that that is such a good point. <laughs> I mean, some of what I thought was silly about all this, I mean, they made absolutely asinine rules at some of the stores around me like there were certain stores no matter what you were shopping for you had to have a shopping cart and it's like why do I have to touch that thing I thought we weren't supposed to touch stuff you know and then they'll Uh make you line up in front of the stores where you're like most people have little kids that move around or they want to move their legs. People are sometimes restless and you don't say exactly perfectly six feet from each other. And, and the way the wind works, you know, if it's blowing just the right way and the person at the front of the line is sick, 
all their germs are just blowing right back on everybody behind them. So, I mean, there have been so many things about this COVID stuff that just doesn't make any sense. And that would be a blatant one, too. You can't go out alone right. and kill a deer, but you can walk into Walmart where there's 3,000 other people. Yeah. So, again, I mean, I think the fact that we have a, a Second Amendment has helped in a way for things not to be as bad as what it seems like is coming out of Australia. Well, it makes me think of something, maybe even appropriate since we're talking about Australia, but it makes me think of something that came out of British politics, a phrase I remember, where the Tories, which is their conservative party, used to always say of the liberals that you have to watch them. They'll nationalize everything. And before you know it, they'll say, you can't breathe. It's government property. <laughs> yeah. That air is government property. <laughs> you have no right. No right to travel. No right to hunt. No right. Okay, well, to move on to the first bit of what I've got here, um, I was going to focus on... I listened to some really good material from Rand Paul on the Senate floor just like a day ago. And uh, he was sort of lambasting Dr. Fauci, at least according to the headline that, you know, was pinned under the video. But I don't think he really was so much lambasting Dr. Fauci. I think that was just one of those gimmicky sort of headlines that sure. they use. <clears throat> but right. he put so much good material and so many good points in here. And it brings into question this whole thing about disinformation and misinformation and how there's so much out there, you know, floating around. And um, while I was looking through a bunch of stuff today, I came across a quote that I really liked that I'll just bring up to start this little segment. And it says... Distrust of scientists is not distrust of science itself. You know, I mean, <laughs> science is always changing and men are fallible, you know, so. <clears throat> but anyway, like I said, he mostly dwells on some of the COVID facts, uh, statistics, and non sequiturs that are out there. And so to start, uh, he quotes that. Uh, 90%, about 90% of our population over 65 uh, have been vaccinated. And 90% is pretty good of the most vulnerable class of people. Uh, the next most vulnerable, the people over 50, it's something like 75 to 80% of, those, of the, that age group has been vaccinated. And then he makes a point that, you know, an 85-year-old has a 10,000 times higher chance of dying due to COVID than a 10-year-old would. So they obviously shouldn't be treated <clears throat> the same way medically, an 85-year-old and a 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. He brings up England as an example because they are doing what's right 
and targeting those mm-hmm. people in their population who are most at risk. Um, he gives another example of India, though, and he says that they're following the Fauci protocols, and even though they have one billion people, they only have about 200 million doses of the vaccine. And so rather than following the British model, they're trying to focus on vaccinating everybody at large in mass. And he points out <clears throat> that not everybody should be treated the same, even two individuals in the same age group. So you might have two 65-year-olds, one who's had COVID and one who hasn't. And he says, obviously, especially to a medical type, to a doctor like he is, uh, you would focus Mm -hmm. on the unvaccinated first. They would take priority over somebody who should have a natural immunity or a natural tolerance because they already survived COVID. But right. <clears throat> they're not doing that because they're following the Fauci protocol and they're basically ignoring that you get natural immunity or natural antibodies. And they still demand that every 65-year-old across the board be vaccinated, whether you've survived this or not. So that's interesting. Then he brings up the monoclonal antibodies which he says sometimes will just save people's lives, even people on the brink. Well, there's a bunch of wacky rules surrounding these antibodies. You cannot have the antibodies if you're admitted into the hospital. Isn't that funny? Basically, if you're admitted, you're put on a ventilator. They don't try to treat you. Similarly, you can only have, there's a weird rule that you can only have the the monoclonal antibodies within the first 10 days after your symptoms have begun to present. So, he says this, not me, but he says that if you show up to your doctor on the 11th day from the start of your symptoms, you don't fit Fauci's rules and you can't be prescribed the antibodies. then he dwells on masks you know um i'm sure we've talked about them before but there's been a lot of flip-flopping on masks and fauci has said that any mask is a good mask but paul puts in this great quip about how a doctor allowing family members to visit a covid patient while wearing a cloth mask is tantamount to medical malpractice Because these masks don't do anything. There's lots of studies, and somebody like him, a doctor, would be a lot more aware of them than than I would. But Mm -hmm. um, he says basically that really the only mask that's a good mask is an M95. The surgical masks aren't even so good. The KN95s aren't even so good, and the cloth masks are horrible. Yet, people parade around in these, even Fauci himself parade around in Mm -hmm. these cloth masks, which just trap and keep the virus. Right. Well, something I uh, mentioned to you while we were talking off air about some of this 
is that when I've heard from multiple people, when you're going through medical school, you take like an entire course, whether it be a whole semester or a few hours, I'm not sure, but from what my understanding, it's certainly more than just like a one-hour session. You have right. to take a whole course on how to properly uh, put on, use, and dispose PPE. Mm-hmm. And people are walking around with these homemade cloth masks, sticking them in their pockets, pulling them out, not even washing them. Even if they are washing them, it certainly isn't medical-grade sanitation like that's required. Right. So, and they expect us to believe that if you just put something over your mouth, it's good for you to keep you safe from the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if, if God had intended us to have a covering over our mouths, we would. I mean, I think that's a, a good point. Because you mentioned England... And another thing that England's sort of been in the news about is that they don't they aren't masking little children. Because they have said not only are children just not getting as severely sick or sick at all from the coronavirus as older people, the masks, particularly cloth masks, are harmful for them. And wearing masks all day hinders their learning and their development. Yep. Well, I'm sure it's true. And plus, the other thing, I don't know if we've even said this on the channel before, but you know kids, and it's part of this thing, you know, part of the thing with the cloth masks is they all have different designs on them. They they maybe have little Mm -hmm. faces or little patterns or... So imagine that you send little six-year-old Johnny off to first grade with a blue, I don't know, cookie monster mask, and he comes home with a red Tickle Me Elmo mask. Yep. How'd that happen? Trading masks. Yep. <clears throat> I can see that. Totally. Well, you know, most of this stuff that Paul was saying is just sort of innocuous and and very common sense. But he Mm -hmm. ends by talking about how there have been lots of times that even right there, some of the stuff he says right on the Senate floor, him and other doctors are pulled down from YouTube and other big tech platforms. And I found it very interesting as I was trying to pull forward some of this uh, footage that I had, you know, set aside in, in a folder on YouTube um, before going on air. I pulled some of these videos up to take notes on uh, on them. And I just happened to notice, it, this is just anecdotal, uh, uh, but I think a couple of these points I'm about to share are just kind of anecdotal. They're sort of my experiences of being censored by big tech. But I've noticed it a lot, and it, and it's like it's happening more often. Just when I was trying to review my um, saved YouTube videos, I noticed that three were unavailable and were hidden. 
and it doesn't tell me what the videos are. I can't go back and see if they were taken down by the creator. I can't tell if they were taken down by YouTube. I don't even know what they were. But it oddly enough does tell me that three of my saved videos have been deleted. So I find that really interesting. I wonder why they even leave me the note. Because otherwise, I don't know that I would have noticed. <clears throat> but... Um, there's some other things. I, I've recently been trying to share some of my thoughts on the CDC death statistics from 2020. Um, and I've tried to share my thoughts on some of these breakthrough cases and about how the hospitals are being filled up and how, you know, basically I just think the numbers are overinflated and miscategorized. But if I try and make those comments, my comments are immediately deleted. Um, there's a particular article I've shared with you. It comes from thediplomat.com, and it's titled, Why Are Indians So Angry at Bill Gates? And anytime I even just share that link, it's immediately taken down. You're not allowed to share that one. And then similarly, you know, there's been a lot of stuff coming out of Project Veritas. They've been doing this mm -hmm. hashtag... COVID Vax Exposed series. And uh, one of them was particularly chilling. Um, I would definitely encourage the viewers to go check the, that series out, that hashtag COVID Vax Exposed series. But anytime I try to share some of the shocking, gory details that came out of those videos, they're immediately deleted. But for some reason... You can still share the link to the Project Veritas stuff. You just can't quote the content. That's immediately taken down. As if you never wrote it. You never posted these things. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I, I almost dare you to go try it for yourself. Either with the Diplomat.com article, Why Are Indians So Angry at Bill Gates? Look it up. Try to share it. You won't be allowed to. And then uh, you might try yourself, see what kinds of things you could just politely push the boundaries. I mean, I'm not asking you to, you know, go on a vigilante, you know, sort of spree with this or anything, but just see what, if some of your posts, you know, are being as censored as mine are. <clears throat> But anyway, I wanted to use that sort of censorship thing um, as a segue over to this Facebook whistleblower thing where they just had all these Senate hearings. I'm sure you watched some of those. Right. Well, on, before we get too far into that, while you were talking about uh, like the misinformation and disinformation, a uh -huh. uh, couple quick things that made me think of is... You know, who who's actually spreading the misinformation? We all know where everybody goes to get their info on the internet, where they search. Most people are searching with Google. Right. Most people are watching videos on YouTube. So if they are the primary or majority platforms where people are going to get their information and they're 
letting you see what they want you to see. How, and they're the ones saying other people are spreading misinformation. How do you know who's spreading the misinformation then? How do you, well, it's a classic it really question. Us? Who censors yeah. the censors? Right. And and another part of what's the misinformation I think about is, you know, we all saw about this time last year, particularly the current vice president saying, um, that if it was the Trump she, vaccine, she wouldn't take yes, it. Yes, she yeah. wouldn't take it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, the vaccine never changed. It was, it's the same vaccine they studied, same vaccine yeah. they made, same one they announced, same one they distributed, same one that Joe Biden got in his arm while Donald Trump was still the president. So were they lying then or now? It's that old shoe so why, on the why other would, foot. Right? It, why would it's particularly, and we've seen articles about how in some cities and some states where there's a large number of minorities who aren't getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with Kamala's statements on the records... Why wouldn't those people want to go get vaccinated? They told, they told them not to trust it already. Yeah. So who's spreading the misinformation? That's all. I was, um, well, it's a good at. question. So we can move on. It's a good question. Well, anyway, I already said we're just going to move over to this Facebook whistleblower thing. So I don't really still I don't know how I feel about her even after sitting here watching some of this for the. A big portion of the day. Um, I've gone back and rewatched some of her at the Senate hearings, and uh, I tried to pour through some. I didn't try to pour through her 10,000 pages of documents that she made public, even though they are publicly available. Um, but I did look at some different reviews of things, you know, where people are saying things they found in these documents that. Um, maybe aren't so much in the headlines. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I I don't know if she's a good witch or a bad witch. Still, I don't. <clears throat> I have heard different points on both sides that she's trying to do something good. She's, she's in the bag for the Democrats and she just wants bigger government overreach and all that. I... I, I I've heard both sides, but I still don't know where I fall, <laughs> okay? And I do, like I said to you privately, I think she comes off as a little more plausible than somebody like a Christine Blasey Ford, you know, from the the Brett Kavanaugh uh, hearings. <clears throat> but there are some things that came out of this. The biggest one um, that really seems to just be echoed again and again in the headlines or on CNN or wherever you're getting your major news. Um, the biggest takeaway for everybody seems to be that Facebook knew that their little daughter program, Instagram, was toxic to teenagers and was actively trying to attract even younger crowds to the preteens. So that's all evident in their in their data, you know, in the 
10,000 pages of internal memos and internal polling and internal data that this lady leaked. So <clears throat> I guess well, that's I pretty bad. I don't think anything new. Well, it's not. And even the main senator, um, oh, shoot, I've just lost it. But the one who was in charge of the hearing that day, you know, because the, the Democrats are in charge. So I think it was Senator mm-hmm. Blumenthal. Um, but we can that go back and right look. sounds right to me. Um, but he led the committee as chair, and he even mentioned, um, I didn't have that quote written down here, but I watched some of those hearings live that day, and he even talked about how years ago when he did the child, the online child protection act of like, I can't remember if it was 93 or 98, something like that. He said that even at the time, the tech industry fought him tooth and nail and that the child protections that were written into his bill uh, were supposed to extend to kids as old as 16 years old. But they fought him tooth and nail and he could only get child protections online for kids up to 13 years of age. So yeah, I mean, this these problems have been known for a while. Um, for sure. It's almost like they've always had a younger audience in mind. Always. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing <clears throat> that I learned from reviewing some of this paperwork um, is that, yeah, they keep saying that Instagram is toxic to teenagers, but I hadn't heard anybody yet say that Instagram was actively trying to attract preteens. Apparently, there's some evidence for that, too. And that one's not being um, said so much, you know, when this story comes up. So well, I wanted to mention that. Um, I've already heard, I'm pretty sure it was before this hearing, that Facebook was already working on, <clears throat> excuse me, some kind of like Instagram for kids or something like that. Right. They're going to make it an actual thing, but then this stuff kind of happened, and I think they put that on hold. Yeah, I would hope so. So see, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some good will come of this, read. I still have hopes. I, I don't know, um, but I guess only time will tell. But the next thing I found, I just think this is kind of funny, but apparently they're getting a lot of backlash because they did this project amplify and (laughs) they've been over the last couple of days promoting positive stories about themselves all of a sudden on everybody's timelines all over facebook there's all these positive stories about facebook (laughs) i haven't seen that but i have seen facebook running ads uh suggesting that you know, the internet was created in 1990-whatever. Uh, regulations haven't been updated since then. Some stuff like that. Yeah. I've heard Well, I Facebook don't know. You might just have to look this ads. up. It's called Project Amplify. To amplify their image. <clears throat> um, okay. But from there, we'll turn into just a couple um, more serious things that I found out. Okay. So they have a thing 
This came out of her paperwork that she made available, but they have a system called cross-check, um, and it's where celebrities and journalists are treated differently. Um, because, uh-huh, I've heard about that. Yeah, because this is a quote. The people in this cross-check could include activists raising awareness of instances of violence or journalists reporting about conflict zones or reporting from conflict zones. So I guess that's a way of them saying sometimes they do allow incendiary speech and sort of violent pictures and images because it could be a celebrity raising awareness about something or a journalist reporting from a conflict zone. So see, well, it's like they, they have different rules for different people. That's what that cross-check is. Well, well I would imagine that... I mean, I don't really know. I'm not on Facebook. But I would imagine that um, a lot of these images of the riots last year were freely shared on Facebook and people encouraged others to show up to these places. Not Maybe not necessarily encouraging the violence, but encouraging them to go to these places where you know, it was happening. Oh, yeah. Yep. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, here's another good point that came out of this. Um, and I think you'll see here's some of what that lady's talking about, um, about harm reduction and things that Facebook could be doing but aren't. Um, apparently there's a lot of human trafficking that goes along, goes on, um, on Facebook marketplace and stuff like that. I saw, uh, I was looking at the Washington, um, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal, and they had a pictogram up where it showed some of these sort of like ads where they're claiming they'll put a picture of a young girl up and they'll claim to be selling her house cleaning services. But instead it's like a live in, it's like a live in, you buy the person type of thing. It just doesn't bill itself that way. And apparently Facebook's misinformation and disinformation campaign efforts, only 13% of their disinformation campaign efforts extend outside of the U.S. Even though, and I found this to be startling, and surely this is what that lady's getting at when she talks about Ethiopia and whatever else is going on around the world. Apparently 90% of all of Facebook's service is outside of the United States. So even though 90% of what goes on on Facebook is outside of the U.S., they only focus, essentially, more than 75% of their focus on misinformation and disinformation is only within our country. So That is pretty interesting. Yes, and, and I think if you take her point as being a fair point, I mean, there are places all over, India, African countries, you know, where I don't know where they'd be doing this human trafficking, selling human beings on Facebook Marketplace, but apparently that exists, and they could be cracking it down, and they're not. They'd rather focus their energies on, you know, saying certain memes are misinformation 
here trying to censor what we can post on Facebook rather than taking down what are basically known to be human trafficking ads off of their marketplace. <clears throat> so right. I thought that was startling to find. And then the last thing I really have lined up for this, um, I really think this, there's not much out there on it, Reed. I think you'll know as soon as I say it, but I think there's a little bit of this next point going on too. And it also makes me think there might be a personal thing going on between her and Mark Zuckerberg. There might be a personal thing going on between a lot of people and Mark Zuckerberg because apparently Facebook is actively being sued by its shareholders. If you remember back... There was a thing called the Cambridge Analytica data scandal. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember Happened a few years that. back. Yeah, and they got sued bad. Facebook got sued real bad, and they ended up settling with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, mm-hmm. for like $5 billion. billion? Dollars. Yep. Okay. I remember that. So why are the shareholders suing him? Um... They believe, there's a lot of them, they are angry. They believe that he settled that such a high figure out of company money to shield himself from personal liability. I think that's what a lot of this is coming down to, is not just making a a new government body. I think it's a little more petty. I think this is about taking control away from Zuck in some way, trying to screw him personally somehow, some way, <clears throat> taking control away from him. Yeah, I mean, they might want it in the government's hands. That lady might want it to be in her hands. She might want to be the queen of Facebook, for all I know. But it just seems like there's more going on here. That one really shocked me when I found out that the sharehold the facebook shareholders in a class action lawsuit are suing him right now in court it's pending so i mm. definitely think no matter how you feel about it and i you know you're welcome to feel how you feel god bless you but i think there's more here than meets the eye and i don't think it's simple i think it's very complicated whatever's going on well i can agree with that um I just think in the end, uh, it doesn't bode well for conservatives. Even if, uh, either way, I would think because it, the gov- no, the Biden administration is on board with everything she was saying and wanting to control Facebook. Yeah, but again, I would say like I did with your stuff. I mean. Look at all the ambitions they have. And they don't do anything, Reed. They can't pull out of Afghanistan. They they can't pass a budget. They can't get their own house in order. They they haven't been able to do half of what Biden's stupid agenda is. For his whole first year of his presidency, they've been fighting about this infrastructure bill. The whole government might go into what we might hit our debt ceiling go into default they keep saying that i mean i don't think it's likely to happen or anything but they keep saying it over and over um 
So, I mean, what's the fear? They make a new government body that's going to oversee our dealings online. I bet they'll run that just as poorly as they do every other part of the government. Just sounds like a big waste of money, time, and effort, in my opinion, if they were to do such a thing. Well, sure. They're going to try anyway, because that's what they do. Well, I just pray that they won't be very effective at it, just like they haven't been at anything else. Yeah. A bunch of, we have an idiot in the White House, Reed. I don't think he even knows he's there. According to him, he wakes up every morning and asks Jill, Where are we? Yep. I mean, you know, not, not to go backwards in our conversation, but I heard somebody say that... Uh, they played a video of one of these NBA players, I think the one from Orlando, uh, okay. who's talking about um, not what, his reason why he didn't want to get the vaccine. Yeah, I think I did see and, that headline, actually. Yeah, after playing the video, it was Andrew Claven who said, now, here's a young man who can articulate very clearly and very educated why he doesn't feel he should take the vaccine, but you can't even get the president to articulate very well why people should. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I don't think Biden... I think Biden would lose a fight to a bowl of oatmeal. So... (laughs) Yeah, and we got Three more years. Yeah, right. Slightly more. I can't believe it's barely barely been a year. Alrighty, oh, well. Does that get us to that, the wrap-up point? Yep. I think it does. We pretty much hit everything we wanted to talk about. Went a little over time like it seems we always do, but hey, you know, conservative conversations. Once the conversation gets going... It can get going. That's right. <clears throat> but we hope you enjoyed it nonetheless, listeners. And we hope you tune in next time. We appreciate you listening. Please leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google, and some other places. And if you haven't already... Check out our other show, the Wiki Wacky Radio Show, and I think or stop that's by it. You and check out. Words? Stop by and check out our website, contemporaryconservative.net. Oh, yeah. That's right. Or you can email me, contemptconserve at gmail.com. Or you could email Reed at contemptconserve2 the number two, at gmail.com. And you can find our email addresses in the episode description along with some links because I actually saved them this time. And we hope you guys tune in next time. Catch you later.